We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I'll tell Christina that you did that. Well, before I get started, let me, let me hit real quickly on that e-giving. The, the new e-giving site is up and running, and uh, you will want to log in there and, and check, especially if you have recurring transactions set up. Log in and make sure that that's still doing what you want it to do. And if you have any problems with that at all, I know that Miss Deb said that she will be out at the information desk after service to answer any questions to help you however she can. I also want to say thank you so much, Pastor Darren, for letting me speak today. Uh, standing in this place is always an honor, and I always cherish it and, and uh, will forever love the opportunity to, to share with this group of people. And I also want to publicly thank Pastor Darren and Sister Deb for all that they have done for my family. Um, for 14 years, three months, and three days, they have been our pastors. And for just shy of 11 years, they have been our bosses and our mentors. And uh, we have grown so much under their leadership, and I'm so thankful for them. And I want you to do me a favor, please, and let's show our pastors how much we appreciate them. Well, today is a strange day. As Pastor Darren said, this will be likely the last time that I ever stand here and preach a sermon as a member of the Trinity Fellowship staff. Hopefully, I'll have the opportunity to come back and, and visit you as a family member, but this is my last time as a staff member. On one hand, I feel like that I've got so much left to say and not nearly enough time in this window to say it. And on the other hand, I feel like as long as I've been here, you probably feel like I've said it all. <laughs> and uh, that's probably true. In one way, I wish that I were sitting where you are today and just listening to our pastor bring the word one more time. But thank you so much for the opportunity to speak, and I'm glad to be here. I am on the schedule to preach. I am holding the microphone, and I am a preacher, so preach I shall. If you would, turn or click in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin reading shortly in verse 44. For those who are taking notes today, the title of this sermon is Nailed It. If you're not taking notes, I want to challenge you to begin doing so because Jesus loves people who love to take notes. You may not need it today, but I bet you will someday. Has anyone seen those uh, Pinterest fails, I think is what most people refer to them as, where, uh, where people try to do something and it doesn't work out quite like they planned? If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me fill you in. Pinterest is a website and an app that has basically replaced the human imagination. So whereas we used to, if we wanted to cook something or, or build something or design something or decorate something, we would think about it and try to figure out what we think would look cool and then we would start from scratch and, and design it. Now what we do is we simply go to Pinterest and we search for it. And when we find what we're looking for, we use that inspiration to do it ourselves. 
And um, usually, well, sometimes, I won't say usually, sometimes it doesn't work out quite like we had imagined. One of my favorite things to look at is the Pinterest cake fails. So what people do is they, they go online on Pinterest and they see these pictures of these beautifully decorated cakes. And um, instead of hiring a cake designer, who was the person who made that cake and took the picture and put it online to do that for them, they decide to make the cake themselves. And uh, I love looking at those. They, they rarely, in my experience, turn out like they're supposed to. But uh, before I, I show you these, I do need to explain a few things. Uh, number one, I love cake. Uh, I like to eat it. And it doesn't matter whether it's decorated or not, I will eat it just the same. But that being said, I will say that I feel a little bit guilty when I eat a nicely decorated cake. I remember one time, not too long ago, uh, Dale and the rain came up here, and they were doing something special for Pastor for his birthday or whatever, and, and that woman can de- decorate cakes. She brought a cake that looked like a Bible. And I don't mean that, you know, it was a black cake that had Holy Bible written on it. It looked like a Bible had been opened and the edges of the cake had ripples like the pages and there was a ribbon coming down and there was the text, the actual scripture written in script across the, the face of the cake. It was, it was beautiful. And I really did feel guilty cutting into that cake. And I'm not sure if it was because it was the word of God, the literal bread of life, or if it was because it was such a beautifully decorated cake, but it was honestly probably my third or fourth piece before I started to feel okay about eating that. The third thing I want to say is that I'm sure the people that tried to make these cakes or that made these cakes that I'm about to show you probably tried very hard, and I'm not trying to make them feel bad, but then again, I'm not the one who put the picture of their cake on the internet either. So... Let's see, the first one, uh, I believe, is from The Little Mermaid. I think it's Ariel. Yeah, there's beautiful, beautiful cake design. Let's see how they did. Nailed it. The next person, I believe, had a daughter that, or son, I guess, that really wanted a frozen birthday. So they were going to make an Elsa cake. And... Nailed it. Uh, The next one, is the next one the pancakes? Yeah, so short stack of pancakes. See how they did there? I'll eat it either way. Uh, The next one, and I don't know why anybody would want a cake of a lamb. Uh, That just seems odd to me. Maybe it was for Mary or little Bo Peep, but uh, let's see how they did there. Nailed it. And the last one is my favorite. Uh, Everyone, there's several copies of this one online. This is uh, a Minions cake. Everybody loves the Minions. Let's check this one out. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and say, nailed it. Has anyone ever tried to do something and completely failed? You tried to, to live up to an example of something and you completely crashed and burned. This is where I wanted to share a personal story with you that would help you relate to myself as well as the topic, but unfortunately, I honestly could not think of a time where that has happened for me. So what we're going to do 
is we're going to pretend that I told a story. And let's pretend that it involved my children and it was very endearing. And on the count of three, you guys say, ah, one, two, three. Ah, very good. And with those warm, fuzzy feelings, let's turn to the scripture. Acts chapter two, verses 44 through 47 says all the believers kept meeting together and they shared everything with each other. From time to time, they sold their property and other possessions and distributed the money to anyone who needed it. The believers had a single purpose and went to the temple every day. They were joyful and humble as they ate each other, ate at each other's homes and shared their food. At the same time, they praised God and had the goodwill of all the people. Every day, the Lord saved people and they were added to the group. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to stand here once again. Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the message that you have given me. Lord, I pray that today you will challenge your church to be the church that you have created us and called us to be. I praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we have here, in my opinion, is a Pinterest post about what the church is supposed to look like. This is the Pinterest church or the model church. What this is is the New Testament church in the book of Acts had just started. And this is what the church looked like at that time. I feel like it's a very good example of what the church should look like today. I think it's good for us to step back from time to time and compare the product that we have created to the plan that God laid out for us. Amen? And hopefully what we can do is we can step back and we can compare and we can look at it, and not in a sarcastic manner, but in an open and honest and true manner, look at it and say, nailed it. We got it right. Let me be clear that when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about Trinity Fellowship. I'm not talking about Centerpoint Church, and I'm not talking about Cross Church or Elevation Church or Gateway Church. I'm talking about the Bride of Christ. I'm talking about the entire body of believers. I'm talking about you and me and every other Christian. And unfortunately, I feel like that when we can step back and compare, that what we find is oftentimes we don't measure up to the Pinterest church. As we look at the scripture today, I'll let you make that decision for yourself. So what should the model church look like? Number one, they are committed to meeting together. Verse 44 says, all the believers kept meeting together. It says that they went to the temple every day. They were committed to meeting together. Can you imagine how important this must have been at this stage in the life of the church? Jesus had just left. The Holy Spirit had literally just come. And in a chapter or two, what would start happening is the church would start facing the most fierce persecution that it had ever experienced and most likely would ever experience until the end of days. People would be drug in and put on trial and would be stoned to death for their beliefs. How much must have they needed this time to meet together with other believers, with their brothers and sisters? And then I think how much more even must we need that today? The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 25, we should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. 
Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the, the, day of the Lord coming. Now, I don't know how much longer we have on this earth. No one does. But what I do know is this. When I read my Bible and then I read the newspaper and I step back and really start to compare the Bible and the newspaper, I feel like that the day of the Lord is coming very soon. We talked the other day just in my family and and somebody said something about when Courtney turns 40. And I looked at Christina and I said, do you really still think we'll be here in 20 years? I really don't. And what I do know is this, that life for Christians is going to get much more difficult before the Lord returns and it gets easier. We really need one another. We really need to be there for one another and and build each other up and encourage one another. Of the the whole sermon today, there's kind of three and a half points, and this one here, in my opinion, is the most important one for you, for for the benefit of you personally. Guys, we've got to be involved in a church community. We've got to be meeting together. This has to be a priority over sports. It has to be a priority over recreation. It has to be a priority over work. Don't make church attendance an option in your life. Make it a priority. And let me tell you this, too, because I know that Satan uses every opportunity he can to discourage and defeat people and to tell them lies. When you're not here, he will tell you that nobody misses you and nobody cares and nobody notices. I am here to tell you that that is a lie. When you are not here, we miss you. Your family misses you when you're not here. Every Tuesday morning, we have staff meeting, and one of the first things we do when we get together as a staff is we talk about who was missing the week before and what's going on in their life and what we can do to help and what we can do to pray for them because we love you and we miss you and you're our family. And one more thing before we move on, I want to say this. I am so excited and thrilled that we have a live stream ministry at Trinity Fellowship. I love it. I love that for our church members who can't come due to illness or due to distance or due to transportation issues, I love that they can still get on and be part of our services. But I want to challenge you today, if you are able, if you're an able-bodied Christian in this area, do not think that the live stream is a suitable replacement for coming together with God's people, worshiping together, hearing the word together, praying for one another, and encouraging one another. That is not why we created a live stream. That is not why we have a live stream. If you're watching today and you could be here, get dressed and be here at 1115. I like to look at it this way. If you wouldn't watch a commercial of a hamburger for dinner, Don't watch a church service and feel like you've got what you need. What should the church look like? Number one, they are committed to eating together. Number two, they are generous. If the first point was the most important point for you, this one is the most important point for the church body. It says in verse 44 that they shared everything with each other. 
In verse 46, it says, from time to time, they sold their property and other possessions and distributed the money to anyone who needed it. These people are generous. Don't worry, I don't plan to stay here too long. Pastor already took up the offering, and I don't want to make you mad on my last day. But I will say this. I love the Red Cross. I love the Salvation Army. I love United Way. I even love that organization with the dogs that Sarah McLaughlin sings the songs for. But in my opinion, there is no better place to give than a Bible-believing, God-serving, missions-focused, outreach-focused church like Trinity Fellowship. I'm going to say that again. There is no better place to give than a Bible-believing, God-serving, missions-minded, outreach-focused church like the one that you have. I want to challenge you to be generous. I want to challenge you to give. And that doesn't mean just giving to special causes or, or designating your funds and telling them where to go. What that means is coming to church every week, being faithful, paying your tithe, keeping the lights on, keeping the bills paid, keep paid, keeping the vehicles running, and keeping ministries like the one that he just talked about where five children gave their life to Christ this week running. Amen? There's no better place to give. I love that I go to a church that every single penny goes towards the mission but that I know that one dollar of every ten that I give doesn't just go towards accomplishing the mission. It goes towards missions outside the church. Amen? And it's actually much higher than that, but at a minimum. Paul says this in his second letter to the church at Corinth. He says, remember this. The farmer who plants a few seeds will have a very small harvest. But the farmer who plants because he has received God's blessings will receive a harvest of God's blessings in return. Each of you should give whatever you have decided. You shouldn't be sorry that you gave or feel forced to give since God loves a cheerful giver. I love Paul. I don't know how much you guys have read Paul, hopefully a lot. But he's kind of sarcastic a lot of times. And, and it would be easy to look at this and say, well, look, Paul says that we don't have to feel like we have to give. Well, what Paul is actually saying is you have to give, but don't feel like you have to give. Don't feel like you had to do what you just had to do. Instead, have a generous heart. This is so much more than tithes. What this really is, what, what, what the New Testament church was doing, was preferring the body over themselves. It says that they sold their possessions to give to those who were in need. It says that they shared everything with one another. They preferred the body above themselves. I read a story about a farmer. You can go to these different sites and find illustrations for sermons if you don't have good stories of your own. It's basically the Pinterest of sermon illustrations. There's a story about a farmer who every year would win, uh, at, at the county fair, he would win prizes for his corn, and, and it was always the best corn. I don't know how you judge corn, but his was the best. And they asked him, they interviewed him and said, how is your corn always the best? And he said, well, I always give some of my best seed to my neighbors. And they said, why would you do that? Those are the people you're competing with. 
And he said, well, don't you understand that, that, that the weather comes in and the wind swirls around and it moves the pollen and such from one crop to the, to the crops next to it. So if my neighbors are growing inferior corn, then my corn is going to be inferior as well. So by giving to them, I'm helping myself. I thought about this story and I thought, that is a ridiculous story to talk about generosity. The farmer is just looking out for himself. Don't give to make yourself feel better. Don't help people to make yourself feel better. Prefer the body above yourself. The Pinterest church is committed to meeting together. They are generous. Thirdly, they praise God and have the goodwill of the people. Verse 47 says, at the same time, they praised God and, everybody say and, and had the goodwill of the people. Church, this could be an entire sermon all by itself. In fact, it almost was. You see, the the Pinterest church in the book of Acts, the model that we're trying to follow was dedicated to praising God, but they also had the goodwill of the people. See, they had enough love for each other and the world around them that they were able to keep their focus on God but not alienate the world around them. This is an area where I believe that we as a church have more opportunity for improvement than anything else that we'll probably talk about today. I'm currently reading a book that highlights this problem. It's it was written in 2007 at the end of a three-year research project. It's a book called Unchristian. And it says what the world, how the world views the church and why it matters. The author of that book says that at the time of its writing, there were 24 million non-Christians in America between the ages of 16 and 29. 24 million And of that 24 million, 500,000 of them viewed the church in a positive light. After three years of polling, they found that millions of young people in that age range viewed the church as judgmental, hypocritical, anti-homosexual, too political, insensitive, and boring. And the natural response for us as the church is to say, well, of course they think that. The media makes us look that way. Right? But what that study showed is that over 50% of the respondents said that the way that they felt about the church was due to either personal experiences within a church or personal relationships with other Christians. You see, as a church, we've moved from a society that was in the New Testament church that gave favor and and, and goodwill towards the church to a society today that really hates and despises the church. And we are part of the problem. You see, the the Pinterest church had two things about them that were, were very unique and that what gave them good favor. Number one, they loved people. And number two, they talked about Jesus. The conversation in the New Testament church was always about Jesus. Read through the book of Acts. You'll find that any time they received an audience with a group of people, they talked about Jesus. 
Look at the one-on-one interactions in the book of Acts, and you'll find that any time they had the opportunity, they talked about Jesus. The model church talked about Jesus, but for the most part, the church today talks about sin. Please don't get me wrong. I don't believe that we should condone sin. I don't believe that we should paint Jesus or our Father as a God who accepts and condones sin. I don't believe that we should change the narrative on Jesus to make him someone who he's not so that people feel comfortable. But what I do feel like is that the conversation about sin should be reserved for after conversion, not before. When you read through the New Testament, most of which was written by Paul, every time that he talks about sin, all the sins, every time he's talking about sin, he's talking to the church. He's talking to people who are supposed to be Christians and living godly lives. But we as a church have, have made it our banner to talk about sin, to go to sinners and try to convince them, hey, you're doing wrong. Instead of, hey, there's a God that loves you and wants to meet you, wants to make your life better. We need to make the narrative about Jesus. We need to make the narrative about a God who gave his life for us, was risen three days later who's now sitting with his father in heaven and interceding for us about a Jesus that loves us and prays for us, about a Jesus that heals us. Guys, I got so excited this week, and I'm I'm not meaning to embarrass her, but I'm going to probably. Many of you saw it on Facebook. We shared a picture that I received this week. Lorelai, Lorelai, I'm I'm just going to have you do this real quick, and then you can sit down. Stand up. That is my friend Lorelai. You can sit down. Lorelai, up until very recently, was struggling with very, a very painful disease called scoliosis. We've talked about it already. I came home from camp that week, and I was so excited to tell you that Lorelai had been healed of scoliosis, that there was a special altar call, and, and she was healed of that, and I was so excited. And then this week, I think it was on Wednesday, I received a text message from Lorelai, and she said, we finally got the x-rays back. And she had a picture of the x-rays with a before from a year ago and the after. The before was pretty much a perfect S. Her spine looked like this. The after is almost completely straight. So I shared it. We shared it from the Trinity Fellowship page. Kara shared it. We... We shared it everywhere we could because, guys, wouldn't you rather go tell people, hey, this is the God I serve, than, hey, in case you didn't know it, you're sinning and going to hell. The first one is so much more inviting. I thought of a pretty simple way to illustrate this. You guys probably won't believe this, but from time to time, I do things that Christina doesn't like. It's just part of her personality being wrong. 
But what I've learned over the years and what I've observed in being married to her is when she tells me about the things that I'm doing that she doesn't like, especially when she leads a conversation with those things, it rarely ever goes well. When she, when she just walks in the room and says, you know what? You are lazy and ugly and I don't like you. It doesn't go well. But that's how the church is viewed by the world. That whenever we walk in a room, we say, hey, by the way, this is wrong about you, this is wrong about you, this is wrong about you, and this is wrong about you. Once you get all that fixed, you should come to our church. When will we stop seeing sin and start seeing people who need a loving Savior? Just the other day, I was in a store here locally. I was buying some equipment for the new church. And I was standing there, and I was visiting with the manager of the store. He's a great guy. Neil and I have had a chance to build a relationship with him for the past couple of years. And we were just just hanging out, visiting, waiting for them to to ring up the the transaction. And uh, I don't want to tell you this guy's name, but but just for fun, we're going to call him Mike, because I like to have a name when I tell a story. So I invited Mike. Mike's a musician, and I invited him to come play keyboard or guitar with us when we get the new church going. I said, man, you should come play with us sometime, you know, once a month or whatever. Just, just come check us out and come play with us. And here's what he said. He looked at me, and he said, man, I don't know. He said, a lot of times when I go to churches, it just smells like brimstone. And I thought, Wow. So I told him, well, man, I, I understand how you feel. I, I hope that we're going to be different. You should, you should come check us out, and, and, you know, I'd love to have you. I don't know his background. I don't know what sins he may have in his life. To be honest, I don't care. Because what I do know is that he is a person who is created by a loving God. And that more than anything in this world, I want him to be able to have a relationship with him. I know that we should love him because God loves him. Because the fourth thing that the Pinterest church does is it grows. Verse 47 says, every day the Lord saved people and they were added to the group. As long as people like Mike see the church as judgmental, hypocritical, insensitive, and all the other things that the survey said, it's going to be very difficult for us to reach them with the message of Christ, with the hope of Christ, with the love of Christ. And isn't that what we're really here for? I mean, isn't the church ultimately an evangelistic body that wants to bring more people into the kingdom. You see, if the first point was the most important one for you and the second one was the most important point for the body, this is the most important point for the world. In Matthew, Jesus was talking to his disciples 
said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, you know, some say you're Isaiah and some say this and some say that. And he says, well, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter pops up and says, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus got super excited when that happened. Like when you read it, the, the words just jump off the page. Like all the other letters are black and then these turn red. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed. No human revealed this to you, but my father in heaven revealed it to you. You are Peter, which means rock. And I can guarantee that on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, if you ask three different Bible scholars what that passage means, what Jesus meant by that, you'll get four different opinions. But the most logical opinion, the most logical explanation for what Jesus meant when he said, Peter, you are a rock and on this rock I will build my church, was that Jesus was making a play on words there because of Peter's name. And what he was saying was, on this understanding and revelation and truth that I am the Messiah, on that and because of that people will come to me and I will build my church. I know there are lots of pastors all over the world that are stressed out about how they're going to build his church. But it's not their job. It's God's job to build his church. And I don't ever want to imply that we could keep Jesus from doing something that he intends to do. But I do wonder how much more difficult we make his job of building his church when we run interference. We have a model of a New Testament church, a church that is committed to meeting together, a church that is generous. A church that praises God and has the goodwill of the people. And as a result of all that, a church that grows because God builds it. Today, I wonder if we're living up to that model. Do me a favor, I want you to, to bow your head and close your eyes if you would. Before we go any further in this service, I feel like it's important for us to do something. There's the chance that there are people in this room, maybe you're visiting with loved ones or maybe just in town and saw the cool playground and was like, let's go put the kids in childcare for a couple hours. But there's a chance that you're here and you don't know the Jesus that I talked about earlier. The Jesus that healed this little girl. The Jesus that gave his life so that you could be saved. If that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to meet him today. Because more than anything in the world, that's what I want. Is for you to have a relationship with him. So if that's you, I want you to just do me a favor and just lift your hand up in the air. Nobody's looking around. Just, just 
Stick your hand up in the air and hold it up high and leave it there. we have a responsibility to live up to the model that was given us. Today, maybe you're in this room and you heard me talk about being committed to meeting together and maybe there was a check in your spirit that said, man, you know what? I'm I'm not as faithful as I used to be. I'm not as involved as I used to be. I need to step it up. Maybe you heard me talk about being generous and And the Holy Spirit showed you that, man, it'd be so much easier for you to live if you would just be generous. Just tithe and and give of yourself and of your time and of your talent and of your treasures. It'd be so much more rewarding. Maybe you say, you know what, that's me. Or maybe on that third point, you're like, you know what, I'm part of the problem. My focus hasn't been on on sharing Jesus. It's been on sharing condemnation, sharing sin. Whatever that is, whatever the Lord showed you today, even if it's something I didn't even talk about, maybe I said something, maybe at the very beginning I mentioned cake and you realized that the last time you were together with your mother or your father, you had cake, and that was the last time you talked to him. I don't know what it is that the Lord needs to do in your life today. But what we want to do is what we do at the end of every service. In just a moment, Heather's going to sing for us. and I just want us to take this opportunity. We're going to open these altars. I'm going to invite you to come or, or, or kneel there where you're at. Find a place to get alone with God. And I want you to ask him, Lord, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me? What do I need to change? Come now, let's spend time.